house of the Lord today. Look over at your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here. Those of you joining us online, we want to welcome you and say it's good to have you joining us from wherever you're watching and whenever you're watching this today. And uh, I'm going to preach a message that I've titled, The Power of Love. And I invite you to open your Bibles with me to the book of First John chapter 4. I'll have the scriptures also on the screen behind me. And uh, we're going to go through several different scriptures today. But I want to set the foundation and make it very clear that you cannot love on your own. The Bible tells us here in our text today, it gives us the foundation. God says, we love because He first loved us. The Bible says that God Himself is love. Now, how much do we really know about love? You know, we've talked about it. We're familiar with all the Scriptures about it. And we've heard so many sermons about it that if we're not careful, we'll just kind of let the words flow in one ear and out the other. But in spite of all of that, most of us don't really know about the real power that is in love, because if we did, we would choose it over and over and over and over. Did you hear me? I said we would choose it. Everybody say choose. Love is a decision. Love is not just some fleeting feeling. And if you will hear what God is saying to you today, I honestly believe that you will begin to see God's peace come onto the scene in all aspects of your life. Do you realize that walking in love is actually good for your health? Do you know that the medical field has actually proven that walking in love is physically beneficial? And that walking in hate and anger and stress and worry and all of that, that ages your body. The converse of love is also true. Walking in hostility or strife is stressful. How many of you would agree with that? Strife and confusion in situations that, that where that is so prevalent creates stress. Now, when you think of hostility, you may think of the type of, of anger that you feel when something serious happens, but actually, hostility is a lot of the little things that, that happen, and they keep adding up. And then when the, you know, it's the, it's the little things kind of like the dry cleaners messed up your best suit, right? Or when someone opens their car door and dents your, dings your door. It's like, man, it's those little things. And if the, enough of those things happen, 
you find that you become hostile. In fact, right now, we are living in a world in the United States of America that is, by and large, the majority of people that you come across with, there's, there's anger, there's frustration. It feels like people get easily frustrated. I mean, talk about frustration, and I know I go here a lot, but, man, try to just drive the speed limit. Whatever happened to the law of a limit on how fast you drive? And I'm talking even in neighborhoods. I'm talking where kids walk, where kids live. And it's 25 over the 25. And just, 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 just try to follow the rule of the limit of speed, and you get everybody behind you is mad, hostile. I hope none of you are part of that group. But what the medical field has found out is exactly what God has been telling humanity all along. We need to be walking in love. Now, the world, and I really need to strongly say this today, has influenced the definition of love. Our definition of love is kind of like the man in the Bible who was on his way to Jericho and fell among thieves, and they beat him up, and they robbed him. And that's kind of like what love has happened. Love has kind of been on this road that went to Jericho, and the devil came in and made it different, robbed it of what it really means. Because today, I hear so many times people say, well, you don't love me, when all I've done is told them the truth. Can I get an amen? Is there a witness in the house? You tell somebody the truth... And you know what Jesus said the truth would do? Make you mad? No, that's not what he said. A lot of times it does, though. Somebody tell you the truth, that'll make you mad. How many know what I'm talking about? But Jesus said the truth, if you let it, will set you free. Did you know that there is nothing in the Bible, I've searched it, about falling in love? I mean, you don't fall into it like you'd fall into a hole you don't see. Amen? You choose it. The person you married, you chose them. You say, well, Pastor, don't you believe that there's only one person in the world that is designed that I can? No, I don't. You chose the person that you're married to. Now, people say, well, I used to love him, or I don't love her anymore, or he destroyed my love. I want you to hear what God says in Romans 5.5. It says that hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So guess what? You have love. Look at your neighbor and say, you already have love if you know Jesus. So here's the first thing you've got to understand is love is a gift from love. 
Because God is love. Love is a gift from God. It is a possession. You already have it if you're saved. Okay? We love because he first loved us. It's like faith. The Bible says everyone has a measure of faith. Every single one of us. Okay? Everyone has a measure of faith, but you decide what you're going to do with that measure. It's just like, and I'm not very, really very good at this one. Every one of you have muscles. Now, I've seen some guys, they do a better job, okay, at exercising that muscle than I do. Amen? You weren't supposed to amen that one. But how many of you know what I'm saying? And you can exercise your faith. Every one of you have faith. But some of you will call on one person or another person. Why? Because you, you believe they've got better faith than you do. But all they've done is they've taken that faith muscle and they've exercised that muscle. And here's when you exercise faith. You don't exercise it normally in good situations. You exercise it in tough situations. That's when it's exercised. I mean, you don't need faith for the things you can control. You need faith for those things you can't control. So God gives you love, and you decide where you're going to invest that love. You see, God gives suggestions on how to distribute that love. Look at this in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25. All you husbands, God says, love your wives. How am I supposed to do that, Lord? I'm going to tell you. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, do you know what that says to me? Love isn't selfish. Love isn't in there for about what it can get. Just thought I'd tell you that. Wives, in Titus chapter 2 and verse 4, it says this. It says, wives so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands and to love their children. So he tells both to love their children. He tells them both to love one another. But now let me ask you, does he make you do that? No. You have the power to choose. But listen, if you don't love your husband and if you don't love your wife, And if you don't love your children, you decide not to love. He even says, love your enemies. Love those who despitefully use you. So you are the one who decides whether or not your enemies are going to receive your love. All of you that are married in here today, you chose to love the one that you're married to. You made a decision. And I want you to be aware of this fact that you still have to make a decision to love. Love is an act of the will. And you ought to thank God that someone sat down and looked at you and said, I have made a decision that I'm going to love you. Forget saying, I fell head over heels in love with him. Guys, forget saying, I flipped over her. 
Because when she disappoints you, you'll probably flip back the other way again. You see, God has given us the very love that he has. The very love of God himself. And now you can use it any way you want to. You can give love to your wife. You can give love to your children. You can give love to your husband. You can give love to your neighbors. You can give love to your enemies. You choose. Well, I'm going to love my wife, but I'm not going to love my neighbor. They smoke weed over there. I don't love them. I don't love my neighbor. He voted the way I didn't. I don't love them. I can't love that country. I can't love the people. How many of you know that a country and their leaders do not always determine what the people in the country believe? And all of a sudden, you hate a country and you hate a people and you hate a, a race or you hate a group. And remember this, we're all a part of the human race. There's no such thing as a brown race and a black race and a yellow race. and a, it, None of that. We're all the human race. Doesn't matter your skin color, doesn't matter any of that. If you say, I don't love my husband, do you know what's talking? Your stubbornness. Can I get an amen? I'll state it even stronger. It's your rebellion against God's command to love your husband. But, Pastor, I don't love my wife anymore. That is impossible. That's like saying there's good demons. He said, now, Pastor, what do you mean? It is not possible not to love your wife anymore. You may say, well, but, but she's unlovable. That's not godly love. That's human love. Well, she's not walking with God. So that's why you need to love her. Well, I just love him. He's so sweet. I just love him. He's so nice to me. That's not biblical love. Am I blowing anybody's mind here with what God's Word's saying? You see, biblical love says I love him because I decided to love him and I continue to choose to love him. Look at 1 Corinthians 13. Now, we saw this a little bit in the video. This is called the love chapter. 1 Corinthians 13, beginning in verse 4. It says that love is patient. Are you patient? Love is kind. Are you kind? Love is not jealous, does not brag, is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly. Boy, this is a big one. You need to mark this one. It does not seek its own. You know what that means? It's not selfish. It's not about me. It is not provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness. In other words, it's not going to stamp sin. It's going to stand up and say, this is wrong. And I love you enough to tell you that. Amen? 
It doesn't rejoice in unrighteousness, but it rejoices with what? The truth. What's the truth? Jesus said, I am the truth. Jesus said, I'm going to send the spirit of truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. Love never fails. Say that with me. Love never fails. How often does it fail? Never. It never fails. And so I'm going to say, well, Pastor Drew, I used to love her. Then you still do. He destroyed my love. Then you never loved him in the first place. You cannot destroy love. Why? Love never fails. Turn to Song of Solomon chapter 8 and verse 7. Watch this. Many waters cannot quench love, nor will rivers overflow it. If a man were to give all the riches of his house for love, it would be utterly despised. You can't buy it. You can't drown it. You can't wash it away. It never fails. Many waters cannot destroy it. That means if you ever loved him, if you ever loved her, you still do. How many of you know that the devil is after marriages in the church just as much as he's after marriages outside? Because we're, we're experiencing divorce in the church just like the same percentages outside. How many of you know that should not be? Now, if you've gone through one, I'm not here to beat you over the head. That's not what I'm saying. But we need to relook at love and the power that is in it. Now, the Bible says this, that God is love. God does not just have love. Listen to this. It is His being. It is His nature. And since He's the vine and we're the branches and love is flowing through Him, we have love in us because it's coming from the branch, the, the root. It's going through the tree into us that are the branches. But here's the problem. Jesus said that if you are in you must abide in me. Just like a branch on a tree. It's, listen, if it, is not, if it is not abiding... If it is not receiving life from that tree, that branch is going to die. So, Jesus said that the spirit of truth would be given and that there are if you read a little bit more into, into Scripture, you will find that there are, there's called the fruit of the Holy Spirit, who is truth, and the very first fruit is love, followed by joy, followed by peace. So love 
should beget joy. And joy should beget peace. Now think about the, just those three things, love, joy, and peace. This is just, we could do a ser- whole sermon on this one. If the devil can trick you into not loving, I will guarantee you he will take your joy. Because if you do not live in love, you will not have joy. But Jesus said, my joy, that I'm giving it to you, and you are what will make my joy complete. And he even told us this in the book of John. We just read it this morning, discipleship class. No one takes your joy. Well, now, Jesus, wait. Sometimes my joy is gone. Here's what happens. You gave it away then. Or you let someone steal it. Now, what does the Bible say about joy? That the joy of the Lord is our strength. So the devil, what is he wanting to do? He's wanting to get our strength, and he knows the first door is to get love. And if he can get us to walk the way he walks, which is hate, and church, let me tell you something. Hate can be just as intense of a feeling as love. Now think about this. Love will affect your emotions, right? Those flips of the heart, you know, the puppy love. You know what I'm talking about? All the puppy love, and it turns into the long dog days of summer. You're like, ah, I used to have puppy love, but it's just a dog right now. It's because you're not tending it. And it's not about the feelings that flip your heart. But it will affect you that way, just like hate can affect your emotions to the point where it will give you adrenaline to do evil. And the Bible talks about anger, and it talks about how it increases. It goes from anger to wrath, strife. The end of it is murder. I will tell you this. A murderer is an angry person. They have allowed that anger to go unchecked. Jesus said this, that your hatred causes you to murder. And he even said this, if you hate your brother, you have already committed murder in your heart. He didn't, boy, I tell you what, Jesus didn't, he did not split any hairs. He said, listen to me, you do not have to perform the act of adultery. You can think it in your heart, and you've already become guilty of it because you've already done it in your heart. And because you've done it in your heart, I am saying you already did it. You're guilty of it. Now, all I'm doing is preaching God's word. He said, if I hate my brother, I have actually killed him in my heart. Now, walk with me on this. Adultery, think about this. What you have to do to commit adultery is you literally have to kill your spouse in your mind. Because you've got to act as if that spouse is not even alive anymore. 
So really, when David committed adultery, he did commit murder even before he had Uriah the Hittite killed. But what happened is, it it just ultimately came to fruition what was already in his heart already. You see, our bodies were not made to live with hostility flowing through them. Ulcers and tension headaches come from paying attention to wrongs suffered. 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 8 said that love never fails. I don't care what it looks like. Love never fails. But pastor, I've just been loving him for 25 years. Love him for 26 Lord, I've, I've loved them now for 26. Well, love them for 27. Love them for 50. Love never fails. So when you start living in love, guess what? You won't fail. Is there anybody that can witness that? So why don't all of us live lives of love? Well, very often it's because we're still wrapped up in worldly habits of thinking and reacting. Oftentimes we react when we should act. If we acted in love instead of reacted in anger. You see, what we, can, what we do is we continue living from the outside in rather than from the inside out. We let the outside affect what we do or think inside. And pretty soon, whatever you think drops into your heart, and whatever's in your heart is going to come out through your actions. That's what the Bible says. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, today's version of love, I just want to say this about love today that I am seeing is that it is very, 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 what is called love is very self-centered. It's when someone says, well, you don't love me, it's usually because you are not giving them what they want. You are not approving the way they live or a lifestyle choice that God called sin that you're simply saying, I agree with what God said and not with what you're doing, and you're called unloving, come on, church, you know what I'm talking about. What are you doing for me? What is in it for me? That is not what love is. I'm just going to say this. Love is not about you. Many today say, well, you know, You're not being loving because you don't agree with what I'm doing, so you don't love me. Man, nothing is further from the truth. Hear this like you have four ears. True love cannot compromise truth. I mean, if it's true love, it cannot compromise with truth. How many of you knew that Satan is a certified liar? Jesus said he is the father of lies. There is, the the Bible says there is no truth, no truth in him. He is the inventor of gossip. 
He is the founder and CEO of Scandal. He wants to keep you thinking and acting like you did when you were all bound up in sin and then selfishness, and he gets some Christians back into that lifestyle. Now think about this. Remember the account of Jesus when he raised Lazarus from the dead in John chapter 11? Do you remember what happened? He called him forth after he had been dead for four days. And if you go back and you read that, you will find that Jesus called Lazarus to come forth, and Lazarus came forth. But you know what? He was still bound up. He still had on his grave clothes. He was alive, but he was still bound up. So Jesus said in verse 44 of John 11, he said, loose him. And let him go. That's a God illustration of our situation. When we were born again, our spirit men came forth. We were born of God. But listen to me, that self-centered, those self-centered habits that we acquired while we lived in sin and in death were still in place. And they still have some of God's people bound. That's why you get into the book of James, and James says, I want to tell you something, guys. The anger of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. I mean, you can get mad at sinners all you want, but you're not going to accomplish the, the, the righteousness of God by living in anger with them. I mean, think about the little, the little uh, prophet that, you know, took a fish ride, got swallowed by the fish, God says, you go to Nineveh. He goes, I'm going to Tarsus. I, 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 I am, I'm not going to Nineveh. I want to go over here to Tarshish. And God said, okay, fine. You're going to go to Tarshish. I'll deal with you there. So he gets onto a boat. What happens? There's a storm. I'm going to tell you something. You're going to walk through storms that God never intended you to walk through if you choose not to go where God says to go and do what God says to do. This is a prophet of God. This is Jonah, the voice piece of God. This is a preacher of God. This is a man who had a relationship with God. And you know what? He gets in the boat and he causes everybody else around him problems because he is disobedient to God and not doing what God said to do. And finally, everybody's going, man, what is going on? Why, why do we have this storm? And Jonah's like, it's, it's, it's me, guys. He's like, you're just going to have to toss me over. And they're like, man, you're a crazy guy. We're not going to do that. Let's toss the tackle over. And they toss the tackle over, and they're, they're trying to get the boat where, where it won't be tossed in front. And the more they throw, the more powerful the storm is getting. And he's like, guys, I say, it, it's me. I'm, I'm, God told me to go to Nineveh. I chose to go to Tarshish. I could jump the boat. And they're like, you know what? We're not going to die about you over you. Toss the little dude over. They toss Jonah into the, what happens? God provides, he doesn't drown. God provides, uh, you know, I don't know, like Geppetto's fish. Uh, he's, got, he's got a whale there. He's got a big fish, the Bible says, and it, and it swallows him up, and he's in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. And anyway, God gets his attention. We know the story, right? He belches him up. He throws up, literally, Jonah up on the beach. Now he's a smelly prophet. 
Now he's got all the gut, you know, all the stuff of all the stuff this well is eaten all over him. I'm sure he didn't smell very good when he goes to Nineveh, yet he preaches the word of God. And you know what happens? God does what God said he's going to do. He saves the enemy. Nineveh. And in that day, it was a town of 120,000 people. And they're getting saved over his preaching. And he's the only preacher I read of in Scripture that is mad about a revival. He's angry at God. He's out there getting baked in the sun. And just so you know, Israel's kind of like on the same meridian we are here in Phoenix. So they get a little bit of the same kind of desert feel we get. And the head of Jonah, that prophet, maybe he was a little bit bald, I don't know. But he is getting angrier and angrier because now he's getting burnt. And God says, well, here, I'm going to cover you. I'm going to take care of you. And God, how many of you know, even in the midst of our junk, God's still providing for us. But here was this little AWOL prophet, angry without love. Jonah was AWOL. He had no love for those that he was supposed to love. He was free, but he was bound. Do you want to be free from the habits of hostility that have you bound? The deadly habits of anger, unforgiveness, impatience, irritation, and selfishness. They have to go. Listen to me. If you think of somebody in your life, and when you think of them, you can't forgive them. You get angry when you think of them. They're not the one that needs to change, even though they need to change. You need to change. Pastor, you don't know what they did to me. You know what? We don't really know what we did to Jesus. And Jesus said, when you stand praying, if you have anything against a brother or a sister, before you ever try to offer anything to me, get that dealt with. Because I won't receive anything you've given me. He said, if you stand and you ask God to forgive you, but you are not willing to forgive them, I will not forgive you your sin. He said, we don't like that side of God. Now, hold on just a second. Pastor, I thought you said God is love. He's displaying love right there. You say, well, that doesn't look like love. I want that. And see, that's the problem. In our world today, it's not about you. Are you with me? It's about him. Love is not about us. Love is about others. Love is about, first of all, loving God. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Why? That whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. It didn't say that they were going to have great... Uh, you know, happiness all their lives. They're not going to board the love boat. They're boarding the battleship. You got to man your battle station. Amen? And what we got to do is we got to just say to the devil, loose me and let me go. I will go on with God. I refuse to be held down. I choose 
to walk in love. I will walk in love. I will put hate and unforgiveness and selfishness on the altar, and I won't pick it up again. I will go forward. You say, well, Pastor, you said that this was the power of love. Here's the power. When you choose it, and you choose to really live in it, nothing will stick to you. No persecution will stick on you. When someone curses you, it'll just slide off like a Teflon skillet and go right back on them. Like a bird in its flitting and a swallow in its flying, no undeserved curse, the Bible says, will land on you. And when the devil tries to curse you, you just say, I'm dead to that. And see, that's what Jesus said. That's what Paul said. He said, I've got to die every day to myself. That's why when you wake up in the morning, you need to say, Lord, I die today to what I want, and I want to live today to what you want. Unwrap me. Take off my grave clothes. I don't want to walk today in grave clothes. Too many Christians walking around in grave clothes, church. So let me close with this. I want to dare you to do three things. Everybody look around. I'm not pastors daring us now. Dare to release the love that God has put inside you. Release it. He shed it abroad in your heart. Now release it. It's your choice. Dare number two is dare to step into the supernatural. Because what I'm talking about is not natural. Someone hits you on one side of your face, what do you want to do? Hit them back. You want to hit them, hate them, and hurt them. So that's the, that's the devil's ministry. Hit them, hate them, and hurt them. So dare to release what God's put inside you and love people. Secondly, dare to step into the supernatural and love. And thirdly, dare to give yourself to others like Jesus gave to you. What would happen in our world if we all lived like this? We'd be doing what the Bible says. You know what it says? Outdo one another in acts of service and in acts of love. Now, that's a competition everybody will win in. How many of you got something out of this today? Amen? Over every home, over every church, over our nation. Church, let me tell you something. The United States of America, our problem is not political. It just shows up there. 
Our problem's spiritual. Our problem's relational. Our problems can be fixed through the power of love. And I remember thinking when I was a child, it just seems like it, you're kind of a doormat, though. Remember reading when Jesus said, if someone strikes you on one side of the cheek, turn the other. I was like, man, that's, that just seems stupid. Does anybody ever think like that? It's like, man, that. But am I going to believe what I feel and think, or am I going to believe what God said? Let me close with this question. Has anyone loved you and kept on loving you when you were unlovable and it impacted you? Maybe you never said anything to them, but you were like, how can they still love me after all I've done? It's supernatural. And do you know what? It never fails. Because I want to tell you this. The dad in the book of Luke who had the prodigal son, he said, Dad, give me what belongs to me. And it broke his dad's heart. And he gave him his inheritance. We all know what happened. He went out and just stupidly, foolishly squandered it. But you know what I don't find? I don't find the father putting his stamp of approval on it. I don't find the father going in and doing all the things with his son. But I do see his dad standing at his porch, always looking. And when he sees him, he runs to him. After all the son has done. power of love brought that boy home. And the power of love, man, it can heal relationships. It can fix your marriage. It can fix our nation. It can fix relationships more than counseling can. In fact, this is counseling. And nothing, nothing is greater. Look over at your neighbor and just say, God spoke today. Father, today I pray as we close and we go our way that we will not stay bound in the grave clothes of our past, but we will truly let the power of your love flow through us and we will take on these three dares, that we will walk in love, we will choose love, that we will be in the supernatural doing the work of God in this world and changing lives as we do it. In Jesus' name we pray it. And all the people said amen. Love you all. Trust that you enjoy this. We'll see you next Sunday. God bless you.